Hi, it's Pastor Randy. We must obey God rather than men. This phrase has become the clarion call for American Christians whenever they feel persecuted by government. Sometimes it is a legitimate response to actions by government. At other times, it is misused simply because we don't want to obey the government or we don't like the government that is in power. When is it appropriate to play the obey God rather than men card? The origin of the phrase, we must obey God rather than men, comes from a very specific circumstance in Scripture. Jesus Christ appointed twelve men to be eyewitnesses of his death, burial, and resurrection. These men were called apostles. On the day that Jesus ascended back into heaven, he said to his apostles, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus ordered them to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The apostles obeyed Jesus' command and began preaching the gospel beginning at Jerusalem, the world capital of Judaism. The religious leaders of the Jews were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They commanded the apostles not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. At one point, they even put them in prison intending to bring them forth before the Jewish Supreme Court. But during the night, God sent an angel and broke them out of jail. The next day, the religious court of the Jews met and sent to the prison for the apostles. But the guards did not find them there. Finally, someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is where the phrase, we must obey God rather than men, came from. To sum it up, Jesus had given a direct command to his apostles, and they were obeying it. The religious leaders of the Jews were angered by the preaching of the apostles and jealous of the results they were getting. The Jewish religious leaders commanded the apostles not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. This command from the Jews directly conflicted with the command of Jesus. Let me repeat that. The conflict that caused the apostles of Jesus to say, we must obey God rather than men, was not a political conflict. The Roman government, which was the secular political power of that day, was not involved at all in this conflict. 
And take note, this is the only time in the entire Bible that this phrase is used. So, what does that tell us? It tells us that the phrase, we must obey God rather than man, is not an unconditional authority to disobey government any time we don't like what it does or what it tells us to do. The example set before us by the apostles is that we should only refuse to obey government when government gives us a command that directly violates a command from God. Suppose with me for a minute that you are a 15-year-old teenager. One day, an army, let's say from China or the United Nations, knocks on your door and takes you prisoner. Not only that, they put you on a plane with some of your friends and fly you off to the capital of the conquering country. Not only that, but the leader of that country decides he likes you and your friends and wants you to help him run his government. What do you do? Would you refuse? Would you say, we must obey God rather than men? Would you secretly form a resistance movement using your location in the nation's capital to your advantage? Or would you go to work for that government and do your work so skillfully that it made the native citizens of that country jealous of you and your performance? This isn't a made-up story. This is the true story of a man named Daniel. He and three of his friends were ripped from their homeland of Israel and put to work serving the government of Babylon. They did such an excellent job managing the affairs of Babylon that the native Babylonians became jealous of them. You can read about them in the book of Daniel in the Bible. The point is, they did not become subversives or part of a secret group that opposed the government. They served God and served government until the government commanded them to do something in direct violation of God's command. In the case of Daniel's friends, the leader of the government erected a gold statue of himself and commanded all the people to worship him as a god. Daniel's friends could not do this because God had previously commanded, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me or besides me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. When the command of government directly violated a command from God, Daniel's friends had no option but to obey God rather than men. As a result, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Daniel had a similar experience to his friends. Daniel's problem came about because his enemies were jealous of him and wanted his position in the government. Daniel's enemies invented a situation where Daniel had to choose to obey God rather than obey men. As a result, Daniel ended up spending the night in a lion's den. In both cases, God supernaturally protected his servants from harm. But in many cases, people suffer and die physically for choosing to obey God rather than men. In these cases, they lose their lives physically, but save their lives spiritually. I said previously that the Roman government wasn't involved in the conflict that resulted in the apostles saying we must obey God rather than men, and that is true. However, later the Roman government created a conflict for the church where they had to choose to obey God 
rather than men. In fact, the conflict was very similar to that faced by Daniel's three friends. The emperor of Rome was considered to be a god by the subjects of Rome. Whether they really considered him a god or not is another question. But for the purpose of showing political unity and allegiance, the Romans used religion as a litmus test for political loyalty. They commanded people to show their loyalty by burning incense and speaking the words, Caesar is Lord. The believers in that day could not say that, or burn incense to Caesar, because even though the people in that day recognized many gods and many lords, for the believers in Jesus there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The believers in the early church were forced to choose to obey God or obey men. Many chose to obey God and gave up their physical lives to obtain eternal life. In recent months, Christians have been faced with two issues that have brought into question whether it is warranted to use obey God rather than men as a defense for refusing to obey government. The first issue occurred during the shutdowns of 2020. In the interest of slowing down the spread of infection from COVID, the government shut down large gatherings of people, including attendance at church services. Some Christians immediately played the we must obey God rather than men card. Their justification for doing so came from one phrase in scripture that says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This phrase has nothing to do with how often Christians meet, whether it's hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, or whenever. The frequency or day of believers meeting together is not specified in the New Testament. Granted, in the early church, believers gathered daily in homes and the temple courts of the Jews, as well as on the first day of the week, in commemoration of Jesus' resurrection. But that was a tradition that developed in the early church, not a direct command from Jesus. The admonition to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together refers to not going out on our own, disconnected from the other members of the body of Christ, thinking that we don't need them, or that all we need is Jesus, or it's just Jesus and me. The Hebrew Christians were being tempted to stop meeting together because of persecution. They were being tempted to act as if they didn't need each other, when in fact they needed each other even more as they endured suffering from their unbelieving Jewish community. In the passage where we find the words, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, it continues with the words, but encouraging one another. The reason for not forsaking was not because God or Jesus had prescribed a certain day of the week or a certain number of times believers were supposed to meet together. It was because by meeting together they would strengthen one another in their faith and not be isolated and become discouraged. So in the case of the COVID shutdowns of 2020, was the phrase, we must obey God rather than men, used properly? I don't think so. During the shutdown, the government was not commanding us to stop worshiping God and to worship them instead. The government was asking us to care about the welfare of our fellow man more than in keeping our tradition 
of weekly meetings. In the words of Brady Shearer, founder of Pro Church Tools, we are living in the biggest communication shift in 500 years. What this means is that there are plenty of methods of communication available to us to encourage one another, besides physically meeting in a building on a specific day of the week. Of course, nothing can take the place of a warm hug or a firm handshake, to be sure. But when you're dealing with a pandemic and trying to prevent the spread of infection, it is not unreasonable to ask Christians to temporarily suspend large gatherings where spreading the infection is more likely. The second issue currently facing us is the government's demand for mandatory vaccinations. Is this a case where we should obey God rather than men? I think so. We have statements in Scripture that we were bought for a price and that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit whom we have from God. We also have a command from God in Scripture to glorify God with our bodies and our spirits which are God's. Government vaccine mandates demand that we place into our bodies unproven substances that permanently change our bodies on a cellular level. These vaccines also have known side effects that can potentially damage our bodies or kill us. Since our bodies belong to God and God has commanded us to glorify Him with our bodies, this is a case where we must obey God rather than men applies. If we do this and refuse vaccinations, are we guaranteed that God will protect us from infection and prevent us from dying from the virus? No, we're not. We may die physically from the virus if we refuse to take the vaccine. But there is a greater principle at work here than whether we die from COVID. It is the principle of recognizing God's authority. It is the principle of knowing when to say we must obey God rather than men. We must always remember that there is a higher authority than human government. Remember what Jesus said to his apostles, all authority. Let me say that again, all authority. All means all, my friend. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ of Nazareth by God the Heavenly Father. This does not give us a free pass to ignore government authority on a whim, but it does call us to recognition of a higher authority than the desires of human government. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Remember, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Although I respect my human government, although I respect the officials that have been elected into those offices of government, Jesus, not government, is Lord.